Oddities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week on Cinemodities, we are starting a brand new series, which we are calling, I believe formally, the Music Movies Series. So yes, we've talked about visual albums, we've talked about music videos, and now we are moving on up to music movies. You might ask yourself, what is a music movie? Uh, somewhere on the fringes between a visual album and a, a musical would you say that's fair to say, Zach? How would you define a music movie? I'd say it's basically any feature-length film that has music as a focal point of the plot. Okay, fair. Or at least, I like or at that. least that's how I looked at it. I like that. I like that uh, very much. So, we are beginning this music movie series with Breaking New Ground. I can hear that goat screaming right now. For the first time on Cinemodities, we are not discussing a Rob's choice, we are not discussing a Zach's choice, but we're actually discussing a fan's choice. Oh, I think that goat just screamed again, Zach. This is crazy, isn't it? I know, so many, so much breaking of new ground. I don't know where we're going to start standing. <laughs> so, uh, as, you, as I'm sure everyone has seen the title, we are discussing The Aristocats, the 1970 Disney film. But before we dive into the Aristocats, I just wanted to give a shout out to the fan that recommended this. Her name is Emily. Uh, she sent Zach and I an email. There were four movies. She said, correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, but I believe it was, if you discuss any of these, homicide rates will drop drastically. So we actually had like a social imperative uh, <laughs> to, to review one of these movies. But as soon as we saw that there were four recommended, Zach and I looked at each other and we said something we frequently say, everybody gets one. Is that correct, Zach? Everybody gets one? Oh boy, do we. Yes. And so we decided of the four that were recommended to discuss the Aristocats. Uh, this one stood out to me in particular because I've known about this movie ever since I was a little kid, uh, watching it, you know, when I was really young on my my. In my grandmother's VHS collection, she had all these Disney movies. And really, I kind of forgot about this completely. I watched it a bunch when I was a kid, but I kind of grew out of it, I guess. And when it was recommended by our fan, we, I definitely jumped at the chance to watch it again. So that's my history with the Aristocats. But Zach, what are you with, uh, of course, as we've discussed, your, um, your relationship with Disney throughout the years? Um, was this one of your, your favorites when you were younger, or did you have a little more tenuous of a relationship? Enlighten us. Uh, I've, I've always been aware of this film, like anybody, like Rob said, who kind of like grew up in like the 90s with Disney stuff. My main memory of this was that like if you ever had like a Disney, oh God, he's had them call like the Disney, like, Oh god, they basically were glorified infomercials, but they're like VHS tapes. They ran about like 30 minutes. They had like all like the popular like music segments of different Disney movies, like put on VHS tape. That's this was always like part of that. That was always part of that, like like oh god, we should call it like not want to say a montage, but like a series of clips they play. They always played the uh everyone wants to be a cat. And so I always knew it from that, but I never had really any interest in ever to watch the actual movie. I just, it was just one of those things where it just, I never, it's like, eh, I really don't care. And I remember the only other instance I have of this was I remember 
at one point I bought a CD. This was like 15 years ago now. It was like when Disney had this thing called Disney Mania, where they have the current generation of like Disney like channel celebrities. So mm-hmm. w- 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 during my age range, it was like Hillary Duff. I don't know who else would have been there. They released a bunch of those CDs. I think they made up to like it was kind of like now. That's why I call X. Yeah, but it was like I think they, I think they got up to like number seven. Remember, I got the second incarnation of it, and like one of the songs was the Siamese cat song. And I'm like, oh, this must be from Aristocats. And no, <laughs> it was from Lady and the Tramp. Yep. And because yep. you think, oh, Siamese cat song, Aristocats, Disney, it's all connected. Well, no, that is a lie. <laughs> uh, no, that's kind of my only really history with this. I never had any interest interest in ever watching this, mm-hmm. and it never really genuinely crossed my path in any sort of definitive way until now. Uh, so, are you saying that when you watched it for this recording, it was the first time you'd seen it fully? Yeah. Yes. Wow. 100%. Okay. Okay. Right on. That's that's pretty cool. I thought. Um, that you were going to come at it with, you know, something that you watched uh, a lot more, or maybe not, you know, you were in love with, but watched it a lot more when you were younger. Oh, no, that okay, so that's really interesting. So you're going to be able to come at this from uh, a Disney perspective that's a lot more mature than my nostalgia-ridden impact from this film. <laughs> so you've seen this before. Oh, yeah, yeah, I watched this, I think, a bunch of times when I was younger, when I was, you know, single digits or something. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and that's, we're breaking uh, new ground again, folks. Rob has more experience the Disney property than I do. <laughs> so, so yeah, I I think that's uh that's where I'll start. I guess then is that when I I rewatched the Aristocats for this recording, it must have been the first time I've seen it in you know, at least ten years, most likely even longer, and I had a I had a great time. I really liked it. Um, like I said just previously, I definitely have the nostalgia bug with this film. Um, you know, I, I kind of remembered a lot of the the plot beats of this movie, but it was great to revisit it and kind of, uh, you know, get to see this this animated musical movie um, that, uh, to take a, a quote from uh, one of the little kittens when they get to the, the jazz playing cats, he says... Uh, something like this isn't Beethoven, but it bounces. This the music in this movie is great, and I love the whole you know hour and twenty minutes. So Zach, I guess that leads me to ask, what did you think on finally seeing the Aristocats? Oh, um, much like uh, Watchmen, where I was watching it, I got forty five minutes into it, and I realized, oh dear lord, I've been sitting here for three hours. <laughs> I got around. 17 minutes into this and it felt like about six hours had elapsed what i got to the point where i think the geese showed up that i started to lose my mind so i had to turn it off i put on charles bronson's death wish so (laughs) i'm not making this up this is literally what i did because i could not take this movie anymore i watched death wish and then came back and finished the rest of the aristocats Oh, well, Death Wish is a great movie, of course, but, but man, okay, I, this movie I was so much like fun for me. <laughs> I did not like this movie. I, this movie almost drew, somehow this movie felt longer than Watchmen did. And, I did, <laughs> and considering this movie is only like 75 minutes, I don't know how that's possible. 
Okay, okay, that's fair. I accept what you're saying to me, but I gotta, I gotta ask. I gotta dive into it. So, what, what was it? Was it the simplicity of the plot? Was it, what, what you know, what made it so, so difficult to get through for you? Um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> Is that narrow it down for you? Even the, I mean, I mean, you even have bad things to say about the animation. Oh yeah, and okay, I, I, I have. Okay, because I I didn't know anything about this movie. I know mm-hmm. in, the, in the Disney animation, oh god, catalog, they they have their ups and downs. There's the there's the gold age, there's the silver, there's the bronze, there's the Disney Renaissance. Yep. There there's there's the Black Cauldron era, and <laughs> I, I I I've always been someone who kind of gravitated more toward I guess the Disney Renaissance and okay. the and, and the Golden Age of Disney. And because, like, I, don't get me wrong, like, I watched Snow White in, in some of those. And, like, don't get me wrong, like, the pacing is just glacial. But there's a charm there that kind of overcompensates the the, the pacing of its era mm-hmm. it was produced in. Like, I love Sleeping Beauty. Like, Sleeping Beauty, Beauty was done, like, in the 50s. And I absolutely love that film. And, and, and it's another film that it's about the same. I want to say it's longer than this. But it just, it looks gorgeous. Uh, this This looks cheap. It looks like nobody cared. Um, there's no plot to any of this. It has the worst Disney villain in the history of villains. <laughs> I, could, I, I, I don't know. Like, there's really nothing I like about this. It's just it feels like it's just a bunch of like ideas cobbled together. It's like, oh, like we're Disney. People will buy our schlock. And I, I, in my research for this, like I found out like, oh, this was the first like Disney animated film that Walt didn't have any real involvement with beyond mm-hmm. just like approving the idea. And based on some of the, like, I guess I, I want to point, I want to give a shout out and they don't need it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like, cause I, I really had no basis for this film other than just not liking it. So I went and listened to a podcast called disorder every Disney film. And they okay. did, they, they did an episode on the Aristocats and it was absolutely great. Kind of like the breakdown they did of it along with kind of like the history and stuff. Not like you're boring. Just like everybody's just gloating over Disney. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, Disney can do no wrong. Give us free stuff. Disney. Uh, no, it wasn't like that at all. And what they, and they really kind of helped me think about this and kind of like swishing around in my mouth a little bit. And there's a lot about this. I'm like, I, cause I was watching I'm like, Oh God, the animation seems so jarring. And I'm like, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's like, oh, I just don't like this type of animation. And like, I was listening to them. We'll get more into it. And Rob gives his thoughts about it more in in specifics anyway. Mm -hmm. But like, no, like a lot of what I didn't like about it was confirmed based on like the history of what was going on in the Disney company in the the late 60s. Okay. Especially in the aftermath of uh, Walt's death in 1966. So, uh, yeah, I I did not like this. Like, not in the (laughs) slightest. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not like the end of the world I didn't like it. But it's like, oh, God. I'm like, never again. (laughs) Okay, so tune in next year when we revisit the Aristocats. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) So so I think uh, think we're actually uh, coming at this from the same kind of perspective. But we diverge right at the opinion. Because I agree with the things you said that the animation is jarring. I don't know if, well, I guess with what you said, you didn't uh, watch it attentively enough. But, like, the number of whiskers on the cat's faces changes within and between scenes. Like, you're right. The animation is so loose. It's so jarring. That's something I really love about this. I love the fact that this is a Disney film. And it's so strange compared to all the Disney, uh, well, the Disney films I'm familiar with. And of course, I don't have as a a grand history or relationship with Disney like Zach does. But that's why this kind of stands out to me, because it's so different. And I agree with you 
like the villain isn't really a villain. It's more of just somebody to play with the dogs in the film because they yep. needed to get all the animals involved. And and I think that leads me to the next question. Once again, another reason I love it. Doesn't this movie seem like it was born out of the title? Like somebody was like, Aristocats. It's like Aristocrats. And then they were like, that's it. Let's let's get money for this and write the script later. <laughs> that's what it seems like to me. And I enjoy that that perspective on it. Well, yeah, that's I, I don't know specifically the development behind this. I would imagine with any sort of Disney film, there's probably volumes on the history of of, of their animated works. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on the podcast I listened to, Disorder, it's from what they said, again, this was approved while Walt Disney was still alive. He gave it the approval. And then pretty much all the creative choices were done after his passing. Okay. So, like, I've heard stories that, like, oh, because one thing they complained about a lot, I don't mean to regurgitate their opinions, but I'm just stating it as a fact, was that this is very visually similar to 101 Dalmatians. Okay. Has that same sort of animation style with the uh, the this more sketch sketch animation than the elaborate nature of something like Sleeping Beauty. Sure. Or, or Fantasia. Oh, and apparently, yeah, yeah. And apparently Walt Disney didn't like he didn't like the sketch animation of of 101 Dalmatians, but it's also much more cost effective. Yes, and that's why they did this. Plus, I also I also had heard that when they made this, it was there was a bunch of different animation teams that were assigned to this. It mm. wasn't just simply one set of animators that worked on the entire film. It was piecemeal together, and that's why certain scenes look so out of place compared to others. Yes. You basically okay. had group. You had different groups working on this, and at the end of the day, they all kind of put their right. They put everything they were working on together, and, ho- and hope it kind of congealed, mm-hmm. which I don't think it does. Like you said, there's certain scenes, like you have uh, what's her name, the, the 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 mistress. I think that's her name, and she's like she's. Oh God, I think she's hideous looking. But then you have also other scenes with the. Are you the talking boy- about the, the human? You talking about yes, the human the woman? woman. The- what's her name? Madam. Madam. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, Madam. Madam Adelaide, I believe. Well, she like, like I said, she looks hideous with like the strike the got the lines on her neck. Then you have the scenes with the with the the lawyer, which are like comical almost. Oh yes, the the lawyer, the guy with the glasses, and he's singing ta ra ra boom da. <laughs> that one. Yeah, you have you have oh, his yeah. little thing with Edgar in the very beginning, the butler, and it's like in, like a lot of it just seems out of place. Like oh, Edgar goes from just being like a well-meaning butler to being like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna like kidnap these cats and put them in the middle of like the pastures of, of France. It's like, oh, okay. Then you have the scenes just like again, you go you go from the countryside to France and it looks different. Then you have the everyone wants to be a cat musical number, which is the most exciting part in the film. But it, it's completely re- like visually removed from everything else in the movie. Oh yeah, it's also the most racist part of the film, but we'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> well well it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be right unless we talked about this movie and, and that got brought up. Uh, yeah, it's okay. No, like, like everything about this movie was jarring, but it seemed more or less of an artistic choice and more of just a uh, practical, cost-effective choice. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, it's one thing when we watch something like I don't know, we watch the Cat in the Hat, and it's like, why is this happening? And, and we know money wasn't wasn't the reason why they cut corners yeah. or why it doesn't make sense. But like when you look at something that's just kind of like weird and disjointed, and it's like, oh, why are they doing this? And it's like, oh, they did it because it was cheaper. It's like. That's that's not fun. There's not there's nothing fun about doing something cheap. Fair. No, I, I understand where you're coming from, but of of course, I think we, as we've established uh, for you know the past year of the podcast plus, is that you know there's I I can definitely look at this and you know and and see it as something without knowing the history. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Where I don't know the history and it is so 
disjointed and jarring, and I just latch onto that because it's it's stimulating. It's visually stimulating and intriguing to me. And yes, you know the the reason behind it might not be the most exciting. But like when I'm in the moment watching it and getting those feelings, that's something I definitely latch onto. That's something that definitely, you know, kind of keeps my attention in in as strange of a way as that sounds. <laughs> remember, remember, folks, uh, nostalgia is poison. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to. Oh, I, I agree with that completely. <laughs> I agree with that completely. And I thought I thought this might have been the thing to do it. You know, you know, 10, 12 plus years since seeing this movie. But nope, it's it's it was still there. I still got the bug. <laughs> Well, I guess we should also point out, too, this, this feature is the first on-screen representation of a gay couple in any Disney film. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, cool. The, the two dogs. Yeah, well, I guess, I guess with the, um, the, the timeline that this came out, I, I should have I expected that, but, but well, sure. I'm, I'm saying that's unofficial. Like, that's the vibe. Like, it's, okay. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's not like it says it like, it's not like, it says it like in the producer's notes. It is 100% just like, okay, something seems a little... Ah, <laughs> between these two dogs, like the point, like where Edgar's like scratching the one dog, and it's like, oh yeah, I like it there, buddy. And oh it's yeah, like it's very, like okay, very uh, orgasmic scene. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to put it lightly, uh, yeah, like I kind of picked up on that, like oh, I'm like especially like Rob said, it's like the late '60s. They probably figured, let's see if we can put this in there if anyone will notice. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> mm. 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 That feels good, Lafayette. That's all right. Mm. Mm. <laughs> A little lower and faster there. I'm scratching as fast as I can. Oh. Right there. That's good. Oh, ooh, ooh. Ooh. Or question it. Okay, okay. Interesting. Or at least that's, or maybe it's innocent and I'm just reading into it, but... I definitely, yeah. I no, I definitely picked up on that, you know, um, that, the, that scene that you just referenced with the scratching and and the two of them, like one of them sleeping in the in like the motor car or the whatever the boat, and the one of them sleeping in the basket, yeah yeah the sidecar. And so, and you know that whole thing definitely was very uh, sexually charged for sure. <laughs> and and you know what? I guess I guess I sh- I'll say now because it was going to come up eventually. This this film has so it it's so led and driven by sexually charged cat <laughs> antics. Oh that, my god. That this is the prequel to Sabrina Goes to Hell. I know we've never reviewed this movie, but I've said on the podcast multiple times that like 60% of that movie is about Sabrina's cat. Like that is the main story in Sabrina Goes to Hell, and it's a romance story. That's exactly what this is. I don't know why it's been like less than a year and I've seen two movies about sexually charged <laughs> cat antics like what is going on with my life zach what have you done to me <laughs> that's the underlying theme of cinematis first it's uh weird sexually charged, sexually charged cat cat antics <laughs> <laughs> well to be fair half of this is just cat the other half is uh canine yes the, and and there's uh, the goose even though that's not sexually charged that's more um inebriation charged with the geese <laughs> 
this was kind of one of those movies that was like, I, I like Rob's had me watch some pretty weird stuff where I'm like, okay, and to be fair, this is not even a Rob's choice. So I can't blame it entirely on him. I blame you, Emily, wherever you are. <laughs> um, no, like, like I guess I was watching this. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I, I actually had like three or four moments in this where like I looked at the runtime and I'm like, how on earth am I less than a third of the way into this? <laughs> and I'm like, how? I'm like, it just, I, I, the first like 15 minutes of this, there's no plot. It's just stuff happening. Well, fair. I mean, it's stuff happening with cats, but okay. <laughs> it's just, but like, it's, it's just stuff. Like, oh, like they're like they're starting to like one of the cats can paint, the other one that can play like the piano. And it's like stuff and like the, the mouse that sounds like Winnie the Pooh. It's like, okay, cool. And then like, oh, you hear the thing fine with like the lawyer and she's drawing up her will mm-hmm. and Edgar like overhears it. And it's like, oh, okay, cool, finally a plot. Oh wait, here's 15 minutes of the dogs chasing the butler on a motor like a mo- like a moped. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god. And it's like, oh great, it's gonna happen again like 15 minutes later. And it's like, okay, now they're walking. Oh, here comes a train. Okay, they're in the water. Okay. Like, it felt like, oh, God. Like, if there's a video, I remember the video game Resident Evil 4, where you play as, like, the guy, mm-hmm. and you have to, like, save the president's daughter. And, yep. like, oh, you have to save the president's daughter. 45 minutes later, or, God, three and a half hours later, you save her. Okay. Five minutes later. Oh, she's kidnapped again. Have to go save her. And it's like, it's like, like rinse, lather, repeat. It's like, oh my lord. It's like, how many times can we do this until like enough's enough? And, again, and, and as I was looking at the credits first, I'm like, oh man, Scatman Crothers, Thurl's yep. Ravenscroft. I'm like, cool. And then like, oh wait, they're in the movie. I think Thurl Ravenscroft has like three lines of dialogue, and Scatman Crothers has about ten. I'm like. Oh, <laughs> like I said, that musical number is great, but like a four minute long musical number cannot sustain 78 minutes. Sure. No, at least no, in un- my humble opinion. No, no, understandable. Yeah, I agree with you. That's actually something I think we should get to is that, you know, as as we chose this to kick off our music movie series, I I think this is a little lacking on the music. Because, yes, there's there's the musical numbers. You know, you got what? You got the cats singing about singing and playing the piano, which is just so meta. <laughs> and then you got um, uh, Thomas O'Malley's song, Abraham DeLacy, Giuseppe Casey, Thomas O'Malley, the alley cat. Abraham DeLacy, Giuseppe Casey, Thomas O'Malley. O'Malley, the alley cat. And then... And then what else you got from there? Then it, then you, I think is the next big one the uh, I think it's the everybody wants to be a cat because in between there you have just the geese song, but it's yeah. nobody sings during the geese song. It's just like an interesting beat or something like that. Yeah, it, it sounds like the uh, it sounds like the Austin Powers theme to me. <laughs> we'll have to do a comparison. <laughs> I, I definitely thought they were lacking on the music. What did you think about that? Like you said, it didn't sustain it, right? No, like I said, they're really like, as I was getting that sort of point too, I'm watching, okay, where's the music in this? I'm like, I always yeah. thought this was a music movie. 
And again, because that's the thing I again, like I said earlier, like anytime you had any sort of like Disney promotional thing, it was always this was music. Like this was mm-hmm. always what it was tied to. It's like, oh, like they're cats that like to sing. Like that sounds like a Disney movie premise. And it's like, oh, like that's literally like four minutes out of the film. They're just like pulling it, just using it. And I guess that's a combination of the marketing misrepresentation, or I guess not even marketing of the film. It's like misrepresentation. It's like after the fact of just like other like ancillary media that we're trying to just like plug this in to make a buck. Mm-hmm. So like I, said, I don't know. I don't blame the movie for that, for like, I get at least my misconception of it. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't think it's listed like as a genre. It's like animation. It's not listed as like musical animation. Okay. So, which I don't even know what you would even call that. Like what would that be? I guess like a musical animation would be something like what? Frozen. Yeah, that's what or, the first thing. One of the first things that comes to my mind, absolutely. Yeah, or like a Tangled, mm-hmm. Princess and the Frog, even something like The Lion King. I would be hard pressed to consider that a musical. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, it, it was. It was light on the music for sure. The one scene where it is music, it does it very well. Yeah, yeah, that is that is. I, I do like that song. Um, I remember when I was watching it for this recording, that song started and maybe for like the first minute, I was a little kind of unimpressed because it was just like, everybody wants to be a cat over and over. And then it starts to, and then it starts to pick up with, you know, like the free jazz parts and the, and the color palette going crazy and the, and the stereotypical Asian cat or specifically (laughs) Chinese cat. (laughs) That's what it is. It's a China cat. And so that it picked up for me for sure. But, you know, like, I, I really like, um, uh, you know, I'm sure Zach's going to roll his eyes. But, of course, you think, you know, we had to talk about voice acting. And I of love course. that they get, they get you know, Baloo from the Jungle Book to voice yeah. Thomas O'Malley. And he has a great voice. While he doesn't do anything different than he did from the Jungle Book and everything, else I've heard, uh, everything else I've heard him in. What is it? Uh, Phil Harris, I believe. Um, I love his voice. He's got a great voice. And so when you throw that at me, I'm like, okay, I can get behind this, you know. That keeps me going. I guess with the lack of music they have, that at least they have some great stuff in here. It should be pointed out that again, going to the nature of this just being like uh, resting on one's laurels. The previous film to this was the Jungle Book. Yes. So like, oh, again, plugging in the elements. Like, okay, he worked in Jungle Books. So let's just plug him in here and have him basically, like you said, being the exact same character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like I guess it, this felt like a like Walt like uh, Dad's not around anymore. We can do what we want, and so it's like okay, we're coasting on our on our just kind of our previous successes, and and Disney would have a a some serious hurdles for the next basically twenty years. They really okay. didn't. They really didn't start to hit their stride again with the animation until like Oliver and Company and The Little Mermaid. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Right on. Because yeah, right Jungle on. Book was kind. Because they They had like, again. This made money. Like don't get me wrong. This is not a a failed movie because they really mm-hmm. were kind of the only feature length animation game in town when this came yeah. out. And yeah, like I don't know. It had like that. I don't know if he worked as an animator on this. If Don Bluth did, but this had like a Don Bluth vibe to it, which I don't like. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I yeah, don't I like Don know. Blue. Okay. Don. I'm trying to. I got, okay. I got to look that up right now. But yeah. Is, Don, he, uh, is he one of the characters from Arrested Development? <laughs> yeah. Uh, ha 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 ha. <laughs> but no. Like, again, Don Blue's for any animation people. Don Blue's the one that did like an American Tale. In like the land oh, before time. Okay. Yeah, I know those. Yeah, I, I don't know the name, but I know those films for sure. Yeah, the fun thing about Don Bluth was that, like, back in the 70s, 
he um because he worked for I think, yeah maybe seventies or eighties I want to say seventies mm-hmm. he worked for Disney for the longest time and he 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 walked out on them and he took like half the animators with him oh man and no he didn't work on this he worked on Sword Sleeping Beauty Sword in the Stone and Robin Hood. Okay. So, uh, so no, he wasn't involved with this, but I, I get that. I get his, I, well, I guess it was his era too. Again, he, he got, he, he, again, he created his own animation studio out of, um, out of what he stole from, no, not that he stole, he took half the animators from Disney. Sure. And that's where you did get things like, uh, the secret of nymph American tale. And the big joke is that the original like animation company, he had, he bankrupted. And then he, uh, went on to do Anastasia titan ae and he also bankrupted that company as well so that's so it's so it's kind of like everybody like looks to don like has this weird nostalgic thing for don bluth and it's like oh he he stole half of his um again he stole half the animators at the time from disney and he bankrupted two different animation studios like, <laughs> okay. like and, and, yet, and yet somehow he still held in high regard and i'll never be able to figure that out hmm. yeah yeah and according to imdb he is uh his second cousin is Mitt Romney. Go figure. <laughs> the more you know. How, okay, we're getting closer to Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, no, no, that's interesting. And see, that's exactly why I think I, I really enjoy um, discussing you know, this type of stuff with Zach, because he's be able to give me that, that detailed history into Disney that I uh, have never known. And have absolutely no desire to go fishing for. <laughs> so thank you, Zach. I appreciate it. <laughs> that's that's the only reason why this movie is tolerable. Is that I, there's there's at least some context behind it that I like. Right on, right on. So uh, while we're on the topic of voice acting, at least I think we were on the topic of voice acting. You brought it up already. You said the mouse sounds like Winnie the Pooh. Yep. And certainly the voice of the mouse, who I should say the name of the mouse in this film is Roquefort, yep. which is a type of cheese, which I, I will always love if you name a mouse after a type of cheese. That's great. Uh, but it is voiced, uh, it, he is voiced by <laughs> Sterling Holloway, which my research tells me was the voice of Winnie the Pooh in Pooh's Blustery Day, which Zach shared with me. Yeah, he was the original voice of Winnie the Pooh before Jim Cummings. Yep, and and just as a, as another great fact, I actually watched Winnie the Pooh's Blustery Day, or Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day, earlier in the same day that I watched the Aristocats. It was an animation day in the McAndrew household. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I picked up on that exactly. That first scene with the mouse, I was just like, that sounds so familiar. And then, you know, I thought about it for five seconds and I was like, yep, I heard that, you know, a few hours ago when I was watching Winnie the Pooh. So, uh, yeah, another another great voice actor that we get in this film. And But of course, you know, I think that's where my voice acting notes stop, because when I was doing the research into everybody that was in this film, it was just kind of like, oh, they're just in the Disney stables. Like, you know, yeah. they, they just get used by Disney whenever an animated movie comes around. And and that's understandable, but, you know, it's nothing really interesting to, to jump into. So, Zach, you got, off the, you got off the hook easy this time. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I should have known better when we picked this. Animation with music and voice actors? Absolutely. <laughs> well, because like you said, like, we have, like, Ava Gabor is Duchess. Mm-hmm. We have Paul Winchell is the, the, the Asian stereotype cat. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Thurl Ravenscroft earlier. Yeah, like yeah, no, no. Well, yeah, that's again Scatman Crothers. Oh no, yeah, you, you, yeah, 
the fact that they ba- uh, based Scat Cat off Louis Armstrong and they couldn't get Louis Armstrong, so they just gave it to Scatman <laughs> Crothers and told him, do your best Louis Armstrong impersonation. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, there, there's a lot of seams showing in this. And it's just like, oh, because even, again, I was looking up again, doing research for this. And apparently they originally pitched this as like a live action, like, uh, uh, wonderful world or wonderful world of Disney on TV back during the sixties. And okay. they originally wanted like Boris Karloff to play the Butler. Okay. <laughs> which I think is a clever idea. And they were going to have the, uh, again, this is, I don't know how, uh, involved, how deep they got into this, but they were going to have the woman that played the bride of Frankenstein. Oh, they were going to have her play like a maid character. That was part of the house. Like part of the, the madam's house as well. Mm-hmm. And she was going to be the, um, Oh my lord, the the maid. So like, oh, like that's that's a clever idea. Yeah, Elsa Lanchester. Were they going to be? Were like, um, were the the butler and the maid going to be like an evil couple? Were they both going to be the villains? Yeah, that okay. was one, okay. yeah, and that would have been clever at least. And it, you would have thought maybe they would have carried that over that idea, or at least making Edgar a little bit more visually interesting. Mm-hmm. And nope they they kept everything pretty bland. <laughs> okay, I understand. I understand. All right. Ah, uh, so where do we want to go next? I uh, I know you you probably have tons of scenes you want to dive into deeper, Zach. Right? Uh, of course. But I get I guess before we jump into any more scenes, uh, I do have a response to you saying that you you don't enjoy this film or you thought it was it was so long and boring. Uh, the next I'll have to do this since we're only on the audio medium right now. It won't come across perfectly. But Zach, when we see each other uh, in person. Uh, which will have already passed because this is coming out after the end game episode. I'm realizing. So Zach, Zach, wasn't it something when I saw you in person and I jumped around on all fours and tensed my hair up and went, <laughs> do you remember that? Do you remember that? Like Zach and I saw each other for the first time in years and I started just bouncing up and down going. <laughs> Zach did not remember. I had to tell Zach it was from the Aristocats because he did not remember. We're, we're doing things so out of order this year. <laughs> Folks, he's telling me he's doing this. You know, you're hearing it after he's already done it. We're in a special time bubble of the Cinemodities <laughs> podcast, okay? Everything's happening simultaneously. We are watching Endgame right now. <laughs> I'm clapping no, but- right now. Yes. <laughs> I'm clapping when Rob makes the hissing sound. There's a little hair tuft sticking up. <laughs> oh man no so I, I i do bring that up because i really i really love that once again nostalgia i love that when i was a little kid when um what's it the yes the, the one of the kittens name is toulouse as in toulouse lautrec and uh, the painter of course and it just it wants to be the tough kitten and it always makes that that little hissing noise and like tenses up oh I love it, Zach. That's that attracted me when I was younger, and I'm still into seeing that visually now. That didn't do anything for you? No, because what it was is it's cheap and lazy because they reused the same animation three times. It's literally the exact same shot. They didn't animate that three times. It's the exact animation three times. I know because if you got if you got one beautiful shot, you're wrong <laughs> with it. <laughs> <laughs> There's numerous times in this that they reuse the same animation. Oh it's no, like, yeah, that's that's noticeable. Where like it, it, there was a point where I was like, oh my god, is this movie all B rolls? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm familiar with this. I know it, and I started clapping. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> no, yes. Yeah, so that's my response to Zach. Uh, I'm gonna continue to to hiss at him like an angry kitten uh, for a few weeks, most likely. But 
I, I guess we should jump into some of the scenes that I, I know, Zach, you are well aware we need to discuss. Correct? Correct? Correct. Okay. And the first one I want to start with, you better believe, is the alcoholic goose ranting about French people eating goose liver and goose as food. I, like I said before, I had this movie when I was a kid. I watched it a bunch of times. I had that nostalgia bug. I honestly did not remember this in the slightest. But, man, when I watched it, I enjoyed it. Like, it was, it had that, you know, Soylent Green is People vibe almost. <laughs> where the goose was just, like, hammered and just slurring his words and falling down drunk. And he's like, look at this! Look at this! They're selling us as food! And it was, it's, it's just... Once again, it's so jarring. It comes out of nowhere because this is almost immediately after the scene with the two goose women who were like, think goose. And they have they have possibly one of the greatest Disney lines I've ever heard. One goose says to the other, we're twin sisters. And the other one goes, so you might say we're related. And then they laugh for like 10 seconds. I am Amelia Gabble, and this is my sister, Miss Abigail Gabble. We're twin sisters. You might say we're related. (laughs) Silly. Nice. I never would have guessed. Beautiful. Beautiful, Zach. (laughs) The line is so obvious. (laughs) So So obvious. What did you think about our, uh, what is it, Uncle, oh, Uncle Aldo? Well, what's his name? Waldo, Uncle Waldo, what did you think of the drunk uncle of our geese, uh, geese people? <laughs> oh my God, uh, he's a character. Um, he's a goose. He he he's some of his tail feathers are missing from where the the cook I imagine tried to pluck him. Yes. Uh, he but he's from hat. they're London geese. You got to remember they're geese from London, and they don't they're not privy to the French eating geese. It's that culture shock, Zach. It's so deep. <laughs> I can't had, even say that with a straight face. <laughs> he has a trance hat with part of it like cut out like a can like a, like a can wood with like a can the can lid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> He's a character in this movie. <laughs> great words. Great words from Zach. No, we'll have to... I, I will certainly put some clips in of Uncle Waldo. I think there's some great lines in the... Just, once again, that that jarring nature of, you know, we go from, oh, you know, these cats have to get home, and they encounter these geese to help them, you know, get out of the waterfall and the, and the water and stuff like that. And then it's just... It turns into this, look at this, they're eating us! It, it's That's my type of turn for an animated Disney movie, Zach. I think... I think that's the best way to put it. It's outrageous. Why, you won't believe what they tried to do to your poor Uncle Wallow. Look, look at this. Prime country goose of a Provencal stuffed with chestnuts and basted in white wine. Basted? He's been marinated in it. Dreadful. Being British, I would have preferred sherry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get back to that with snacks, because now that we've talked about eating geese, you better believe that's going to come up when we discuss the restaurant, okay? Okay. Okay. So I think the, the next one we have to talk about then is, of course, because we've already mentioned it, 
uh, the stereotypical China cat. Not, I think if anybody who's listening to this has not seen this film, we are not over-exaggerating when we say that in the middle of a musical number, a Siamese cat has a solo, uh, I think between, what, Potts' drums, Potts and Pans' drums, and also a piano that it plays with chopsticks. This is the focus for a good portion of this song, right, Zach? Did you were zoned out at this point? <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Like, okay, because like I, I know a lot of people are really like, like that's like the most noteworthy thing for most people in this, and that doesn't bother me. It's like, oh, it was made like in the late '60s. It's like I, I don't think it's meant to be like like super duper. It's not like other things that happened like in the '30s during like the war propaganda of certain like the, the, when Disney did like for World War II. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's meant to be that kind of demeaning. Like, yes, it's a stereotype, but it's not the, the worst in the world. Oh, yeah, and I agree with you there. I, I, when I watched this, I definitely wasn't like, oh, my God, look how racist Disney is. It was more of like uh, just just the fact that it was it was so pronounced that it kind of caught me more off guard. But I'm with you that, it, you know, it's it's uh, artifact of the time. Yeah, the it's, yeah I, I, I'm not condemning or condoning it. It's just like, oh, I, I guess I know. Is it ideal? <laughs> no, but at the same time, no, I don't think it's fair to judge things of yesteryear by today's standard. If that's the case, we're just going to throw everything from 20 years ago in the garbage. Well, yes, good. Yeah, that's exactly, uh, I think, what Zach and I have uh, been tempted to discuss a few times on this podcast, but have, have stepped away with R. Kelly and Stark Raving Dad so far. Maybe you'll get those thoughts one day. But but no, Zach and I are in agreement. You know, I definitely wasn't like, oh, my God, can you believe how terrible this is? It was it was comical and it's played comically and I think you have to realize that that this this was supposed to be a scene of you know everybody wants to be a cat and there's all these different cats that come together to perform this song and we get to see a little bit of each and every one of them and and it's not you know I don't think it's like Zach said it's not demeaning it's not intended to be you know belittling to any one group of people it's just showing that there's all these different cultures that come together in this kind of species. And that that's that's what I appreciated more about this song. But, I mean, you know, you can't not laugh when a Siamese cat is playing a piano with chopsticks. Like, that's that's just funny to me. <laughs> you can boycott now, folks. If, if, if you've somehow suffered through the Avengers Endgame month, you can now officially uh, unsubscribe from the Sam Oddies podcast because of that. <laughs> Rob's oh, giving your man. way out. Oh man! No, I thought it was. I thought I thought that section was great. And once again, uh, from some of the lines, we'll have to insert some clips because some of these lines I think are are very funny. Uh, I know there's a little bit of fortune cookies that come into play in that section of the song, and that we will also have to talk about once we get to snacks, right? Oh yeah, I got I got so many snacks for this episode, Zach. It's great. <laughs> well, it's funny with the Siamese cat. What they do is that apparently on the soundtrack. They removed his part from the the songs where he does that. Oh, but they didn't for the film. And let me rephrase it: in later reissuing, yeah, yeah, not not the initial one, but yes, they they removed him from the soundtrack, but not from the from the film. Okay, interesting, interesting. Hmm, I never knew. There you go. I think almost immediately after the the musical number of "Everybody Wants to Be a Cat," uh, everybody. Everybody. 
that's the, that's the best part is just yelling everybody. So after this, I think it's the next morning, and now that they've now that Duchess and the kittens have stayed the night with uh, Thomas O'Malley and the Scat Cats, uh, they are going back to Madam's house. And as they are going back to Madam's house, we get my favorite line of the movie: Thomas O'Malley and the Duchess and the kittens get back into the neighborhood where Madam lives, which is of course as fancy as all hell, and. Thomas O'Malley has the line. He says, nice nice side of the neighborhood. I dig these wigwams. And Duchess goes, wigwams? And that's it. Then they just keep going on with the story. What a classy neighborhood. Dig these fancy wigwams. Wigwams? I love the fact that they threw this line in here where he says something that isn't even, I don't even think this is like street slang. That is Native American Indian slang, wigwams. <laughs> like it's so, once again, so out of place and so weird to me. I, I cannot help but love it. Did you pick up on the, that line, Zach? I did not, Rob. Uh, I dig these wigwams. <laughs> you dig these wigwams? Wigwams? <laughs> Wigwam. So we also, after this in the ending, of course, I think the ending, you know, ramps up when they have to, you know, send Edgar to Timbuktu because that's Edgar's uh, plan B <laughs> is because since the cats come back, he's going to put him in a box and send him to Timbuktu. Great. We get to see when all of the scat cats are running back to the house to help Thomas O'Malley. Roquefort, the mouse, is chasing the cats. And so we get to see a scene of a mouse chasing cats. And in this scene, there is someone sitting at a cafe table with a full bottle of wine. Like, no glass, just a full bottle of wine. And when he sees the mouse chasing the cats, he, like, does the whole, you know, the eyes change sizes, like, oh, my God, you know, guffawing, not guffawing, but, you know, glaring at it. And he pours his whole bottle of wine out because... Because apparently that's the thing that's going to get him sober, is seeing that reversal of roles. <laughs> yeah, that's a cute moment. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely had a, a chuckle at that one, for sure. <laughs> and then, of course, in the big climax, you know, we get the mouse is trying to crack the lock, and he screams quiet for everybody to stop fighting so he can break the lock and then keep going. That, to me, I'm bringing up is because I thought out of this entire, uh, you know, what, 80-minute movie... That's the thing that shouted Disney to me the most. And I wanted to get your opinion on that, Zach. I don't have any good research or any good kind of foundation. But like I've already said, watching this movie, I I felt it was so unlike Disney. That's why I gravitated towards it. But that scene, that little bit of, you know, like, everybody be quiet. And even the villain stops fighting just so the main character can accomplish something. I, I definitely thought that was a little more Disney. What do you think about that? Am I right in saying that, or is that kind of something that hasn't been done before in Disney uh, films? No, I think that's uh, no. That's a weird kind of like a chicken or the egg moment for Disney, where okay. it's like, oh, it seems like something they would do, but was it the first time they'd ever done it, or was it there previously? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. This, this kind of felt like a, again. This felt like a dad's not home. So let's let's see what we can get away with. And I think that's that's the vibe I get from this because you look at kind of what came next, and you have your Robin Hoods, your Sword in the Stones, where it's like, eh, like, like Disney's starting to kind of go out the outside the uh, the the reservation. Was so, the was the Rescuers Disney? 
Yeah. Rescuers okay, because that wasn't that wasn't long after this as well either, right? Rescuers. I don't. I can. I have to look up the list of of all the live the Disney animation films because I. I, I, I sure. There's so many freaking Disney animation films at this point. Oh yeah. Yeah, you have Jungle Book, you have Aristocats, then you have Robin Hood, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, The Rescuers, Fox and the Hound, Black Cauldron, Great mm-hmm. Mouse Detective, Roger Rabbit, Oliver and Company, and then Little Mermaid. Okay, okay. Obviously, I did not go all... I, I started with uh, Jungle Book, and obviously before that, you had things like... No, Sword and Stone... Did, Walt Disney was still alive for Sword and Stone, so okay. I can't attack that. And the last one they ever did was Little Mermaid, is what you're saying, right? <laughs> if only. There, was no, if there only. were no more after Little Mermaid. <laughs> okay, okay, interesting. Yeah, and and so that's that's a really good way to put it because, you know, that's, um, once again, not something that I was thinking of when I was thinking of this movie is, you know, uh, how did it come out in relation to Walt Disney's death? Or, or should we say, now that we have a full documentary about it, uh, when they froze Walt Disney's head? correct? <laughs> yes, Rob. Okay. Okay, good. Um, so yeah, that, that's another interesting perspective on this where uh, I like that kind of essence of what can we get away with? That's, that's really intriguing. And once again, why I think maybe uh, these films, you know, now that you listed off those things, you know, like the rescuers and, and, uh, and what we're discussing, the Aristocats, these are films that I definitely liked when I was younger. And maybe there was something about that non Disney feel to Disney films that I was and still am attracted to. I don't know. Yeah, like I said, this this is kind of like in Disney has so many different eras with its animation, and that you do have kind of the the classics again, like your Cinderellas, your Dumbo's, your Pinocchios. Mm-hmm. And then you have ones that are kind of the lesser. I don't want to say lesser tier because that's not fair, but it's more your Silver Age. So you have your Alice in Wonderland, your Lady and the Tramps. Your Sleeping Beauties, 101 Dalmatians, then you kind of get into the weird era where, again, you do have your Robin Hood, the Aristocats, mm-hmm. uh, Black Cauldron, which we should be getting to someday. And then that's when you start to transition. Again, it slowly transitions. You have Great Mouse Detective, Roger Rabbit, Oliver and Company. And then by Little Mermaid, they were, they, they were starting to hit their stride again. Okay, okay. And then obviously, Little Mermaid leads to, again, something like Beauty and the Beast. Which then leads to Aladdin, which leads to Lion King, Pocahontas, Hunchback. Well, you know, by that time they were starting to wind down. Hunchback of mm-hmm. Notre Dame, Hercules. Those, I watched those a lot when I was younger. Those Hunchback and uh, Hercules. I definitely watched those a bunch too. Well, I guess I should point out, like I've, ne- I, I'm not as much as my affinity for well, my my love hate relationship with Disney. Is that, like I never really got into their animated movies. Like I okay. never, like I never had. Like, I guess Lion King and Toy Story were always kind of my proverbial bread and butter when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But I was never like, oh, like I love. I know a lot of people I've talked to over the years, like they're our age, were like, oh, Hercules is my favorite Disney film. Like, like I was never that person where like I idolized like one or two like Disney films. Like I don't know Toy Story. Like I have every single Toy Story character and then some. But, like, I never, like, what, again, obviously Star Wars was that niche for me. Yeah. So I never, I never did that with Disney. Like I said, like, I, I always, I knew the characters. Like, I could always point out the characters if somebody said, like, oh, there's the, 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 the Hunchback, or I guess, I'm sorry, Quasimodo. Or there's mm-hmm. Ariel from The Little Mermaid. Like, I knew them, but, like, I never, like, I've never seen Aladdin. Like, I have this list. I can tell you the ones I've seen, and it's not a lot of them. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I never knew that about you, Zach, where, where, you know, my history was very much that I think out of, you know, 
when I was younger watching films, it was more of the animated Disney films that I, I saw and latched onto. Well, okay, let me rephrase that. If I because I told you my my father would have, I think I've mentioned on here that my father had his like video collection of things he taped off HBO when he got like a free summer of uh, mm-hmm. summer preview, and like yeah, I, I probably like from a library or maybe like preschool or elementary school maybe like one Friday they let us watch something like like maybe once every like six months. No, mm-hmm. I've I've seen it. I like again like I've seen a little mer- from what I can remember. I've seen the Little Mermaid once. I've seen Hunchback of Notre Dame once, Hercules. I've, I've, I've seen these movies like once. And it's only because I've only watched them in the last like few years. I can remember them. But like I've never seen I, – I, I, if I've seen Aladdin, I don't remember it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, if I've seen Oliver and Company, I don't remember it. I hate – I literally hate Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, never seen Fox and the Hound. Never seen Robin Hood. Never seen Jungle Book. Never seen 101 Dalmatians. Never seen Lady and the Tramp. Never seen Peter Pan. Never seen Alice in Wonderland. Cinderella was a real long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. That's another one that's like only like 40 minutes long. And I want yeah. to die through it. Um, <laughs> I've tried to watch Song of the South. Song of the South is really fu- I really love um, uh, the live action parts of that. But I, mm-hmm. the, anime, the, Br'er, the Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox you can keep. Dumbo I think is boring. Bambi's too sad to watch. Fantasia, I've never gotten high enough to watch Fantasia. Um, never seen Pinocchio. I like Snow White, but Snow White, I like how weird Snow White gets at times. Mm-hmm. I have my whole lot of like, when you think of traditional Disney animated films, Sleeping Beauty's always been my my main one, where I just, I just like that. I like how color rich it is. It also almost bankrupted Disney when they released that. Okay. Walt's like, I'm going to make a $10 million animated film. And his brother's like, that's going to bankrupt this because no matter how well it does, we'll never be able to make back a profit on it. <laughs> like, I, think I've, I don't think I've said I'm here if I've said on the Star Wars podcast. Like one of my favorite like Walt Disney stories was a uh, Fantasia was released like in 1941. It was like released right like as soon as the U.S. got into World War II. So like there was no yes, European yes. market. There was no like, like the American market was pretty much start like on the verge of drying up. And uh, he released it like in December of 1941. It was like the most expensive like animated film ever released. Mm-hmm. And um, like it bombed, like it outright just like it, they lost money on that. And the story is that like in 1961, 20 years later, Walt was in like some meeting with someone or some group of people, and the secretary walks in, hands him a piece of paper, and walks out. And he starts laughing after he reads it. Everyone kind of looks around the room and goes, "Walt, what are you laughing at?" And he goes. Well, Fantasia's finally in the black, <laughs> and that's and, and that and that's what it is. Like that's that was the joke with Walt is that like all these things. I think that's how Disney looks at most of their properties now. Is that like it's like Han Solo, like oh it mm-hmm. bombed, but it will eventually make us back our money. Yeah, there's a lot of just oh god, uh, mediocre spots in the Disney canon, and that's why I would classify this as like this is a this feels mediocre. Like it's not bad. It's just a definition of a group of people. Just it's it's either they they feel lazy, mm-hmm. or it's just like oh we don't again. It's the other flip, other side of the coin. It's like okay, dad's not around. What do we do now? Gotcha, gotcha. And like I said, no, I, I again, it's just like I didn't like it, but I don't think it's bad. Uh, it's not very good, but it's 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 definitely. <laughs> I want it on the record. Are we going to uh, insert every time you do that? Are we going to insert the actual clip there? Or are we just gonna have you making the sound? I don't know. We gotta once I get um, the audio to edit it, we can see how good it sounds. Okay, because we'll <laughs> we'll, I don't we'll know. Do I don't know how good. Side. 
Yeah, I don't know how. Maybe the first time we'll do it side by side, and then maybe we'll switch it back and forth, and uh, we'll see if anybody can pick up if it's me or if it's uh, Toulouse. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like I said, no, like I said, that's again, it's it's a weird Disney. That's one of the fun things about looking at Disney's uh, animated filmography, and I mean the company, not the man, mm-hmm. is that it, it it does have such high and lows. Like it's the same company that can give you Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Little Mermaid, but it can also give you the Black Cauldron. It's like, like you have the, it's this weird it's a weird ass company. It's a shame now that they really don't do that anymore when it comes to animated films. Everything is so safe. Yes. Like it's like, oh, Frozen. Frozen 2. Ralph wrecks the <laughs> internet. And it's like, oh God. It's like again, there's there's no imagine it's like it's funny. They spend two hundred million dollars to make one of these animated films, yet there's not an ounce of creativity in it. Like gotcha. that, like that's what's, like, imagine spending two hundred million dollars to make an animated film. Yet it's probably the least imaginative thing you can do with that money. <laughs> and that's the shame of it. Like I would rather, like as much as I make fun of this movie, it's like I would rather have an Aristocats than Ralph wrecks the internet. I I, I agree with you there for sure. Like, like even though I think this film lacks the charm of other films of its era of of the Disney era, and by that I mean like. Give or take twenty years of when it was released. Yes, like it has infinite more charm. Like, such as I make fun of Edgar. Like, I can tell you, Edgar is a more interesting villain than whoever the villain is of Ralph wrecks the internet. I can I can just tell you, I've never seen Ralph wrecks the internet, or even if that's what it's called, Uh, Ralph Two, Day of the Wrecking of the Internet, (laughs) Uh, the the, the Crimes of Vanellope von Schweetz. It's like, oh, again, there's nothing. There's no substance to those movies. They're fluff. Again, it's like we talked about with uh, uh, what was it last month? It's like it's the hamburger dilemma. Mm. It's just like oh, it's it's a quarter pounder. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's that's not, a good point. And that's what it is. Like it's sad that like, and I kind of feel like this was the Ralph Rexy internet of its time. It's like yes, at the time it made lots of money and nobody really analyzed it. But like mm-hmm. thirty years from now, people will look back at like what Disney's doing right now, being like, oh god, we ate a lot of crap then, didn't we? Ah, that's and a good th- point, and and I, I could see that definitely the the repetition of history in that way. Absolutely, I think that's what we're headed towards. Yeah, because like, like I again going back to the disorder podcast I was listening to, and they were they were obviously their entire thesis of their podcast like, oh, we're gonna go through all the Disney animated films chronologically. Yes, and they're like, oh, it's funny how like just, like you think of like Disney, like oh, like we talked about again Ralph Rex the Internet. You're like, oh, like you go to Disney World or Disneyland, and chances are there's a uh, John C. Riley walk around character. Okay. Yeah, like if you like, let's say you like you're seven years old, you like, and Rob shows you this, and you're like, oh, I want to see a uh, O'Malley walk around character. <laughs> you ain't seeing that that ca- that character costume got destroyed a long time ago. What about the Uncle Waldo costume, the drunk goose? We can only okay, hope. Legend well, says he's still <laughs> roaming around Disney theme parks. <laughs> well, to be fair, you can make that character. You just gotta find a goose on property and give it a little bit of a. Uh, you just have to listen to. Uh, you just have to listen to the Jingle All the Way episode. Zach interviews <laughs> Uncle Waldo. <laughs> I, I, I have to ask our audience, considering that we do have a couple people in our audience that are interactive with us. I want to know, like, is the evolution episode and. The jingle all the way episode. How pronounced is it that Rob is intoxicated during those? Like, I want to know because, like, I'm recording it with him at the time, and I'm like pulling my hair out, being like, "This sounds awful." Not but, the like, evolution I wanna... episode. No, that was before we recorded Knights of Vader. 
And you told me I needed to stay sober. The oh no, what episode was it? What episode was it then that you were you were intoxicated? Oh, it's the um, what episode was it when you got you got intoxicated? I don't know. I think just jingle all the way, right? No, it's another one. Oh well, oh, you know, I wasn't that's, aware. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's another one, folks. You know what? Rob's gonna. Rob's. Gonna, you, if you figure it out, let me know. Email <laughs> email us at cinemodies at gmail dot com or a tweet to us at cinemodies on Twitter. Or uh, go to uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, and let Rob know in person. And have a drink with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Aristocats. It's a movie that stars cats. Yes. Sexually charged cat antics. <laughs> oh, man. So I, I think I hit on all the scenes I wanted to point out, Zach. Was there anything that you wanted to dig into a little deeper? Or have you shredded this to bits and Disney animation this time period enough? <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm trying to think. I, there's really nothing that stands out in this. Like I, I kind of pointed out the animation. I pointed out that Walt didn't really like what was going on during this time period. Oh, the only thing I guess I had to point out with like Edgar's, I, I guess we should kind of like, the whole reason why Edgar kidnaps the cats is that he does so because he finds out that like, oh, the cats will inherit all of uh, Madam's money, yes. all of her wealth. And so he figures, oh, if I get rid of them, I'll be able to inherit everything. Mm-hmm. And my plan with this is that, like, Madam, like, we don't know how old she is, right? No, I don't think it's ever stated. So, like, she doesn't seem to be in ill health. Yeah, she seems to have everything everything there and all her faculties and all her health, absolutely. Yeah, so, like, I'm thinking, like, if th- these cats disappear... What's going to stop her from getting some new cats? Yeah, that's a good point. Absolutely. It's a vicious cycle. <laughs> yeah, he would have to get, Edgar would have to get rid of the cats, like, right before she's about to die, like, while she's on her deathbed, you know? Yeah, and even, I, I'm also looking at it, too, like, obviously, if she passes on, mm-hmm. and he's, like, like and yes, the cats will, quote-unquote, inherit her fortune, someone has to take care of them, which I would imagine would probably be stipulated it's him. Yeah, 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 that's what I would imagine, because he's the one taking care of them already. Yeah, so it's like, you still have control of all the money, so all you gotta (laughs) do is basically feed these cats, which you're already doing as it is, so... Yeah, that's a good point, that's a good point. (laughs) Like, his plan seems horrible, like, it's such a counterintuitive type of plan, like, just, like, he seems, like, when he starts, like, freaking out, like, I was expecting her to say something like, oh... I'm like creating like in, in, like I'm going to leave my wealth to the cats and create like a cat sanctuary. And it's like, oh, like he gets in like in the lawyer would be like, oh, you're cutting Edgar out. And mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, but I'll, like I'll leave him a small token of like appreciation though. But like my heart is with the cats. Then like I figured, oh, he'll do something like because I didn't know the plot. It's like I had no idea it was gonna be Homeward Bound. And oh yeah. I had no idea about this. I'm like, oh, so like, that's why like, after I watched the first like 15 minutes and there's no plot, it's like, oh my God, are you kidding me? And, and so like, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm like, I don't get his plan. Like there is no plan. Yeah. Like, that, yes. It definitely is lacking in logical thought for sure. <laughs> like, like, come on. Corolla DeVille wanted to make a coat like that. We can all get behind. That's a plan. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a plan. Like, uh, <laughs> Like we all oh, want good. a coat made out of like animal skin. Like, come on! I think there's, I think there's a Simpsons song that that makes that does that. Are you sure you want to go through with this, sir? You do have a very full wardrobe as it is. Yes, but not completely full. 
who you see. Some men hunt for sport, others hunt for food. The only thing I'm hunting for is an outfit that looks good. See my vest, see my vest, made from real gorilla chest. This sweater, there's no better than authentic Irish setter. See this hat, it was my cat, my evening wear vampire bat. These white slippers are albino, African endangered rhino, grizzly bear underwear, turtles' necks, I've got my share. Beret of poodle on my noodle, it shall rest. Try my red robin suit, it comes one breast or two. See my vest, see my vest, see my vest. Yeah, so like I said, no, like the whole Edgar thing just doesn't make sense. I'm like, oh, and then plus like the whole thing with the dogs, and it's like whatever. It feels sure. like a, it's it feels like a series of just like it's like okay, we need this moment, check. We need this, we need this moment, check. And it feels like 15 different groups of animators are working on this, and that's just it just feels just so cobbled together. Okay, okay. If, it, if yes. it were not for the uh, everyone wants to be a cat sequence, this would just be like a nightmare. 78 minutes of a straight nightmare. <laughs> oh great great we got our I, opinions in there because <laughs> I, 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 I have my snack in mind for what you should be uh what should be in, in relation to this movie but is it gonna be is it gonna be like what the 15th time you've recommended cyanide castles <laughs> <laughs> no but close okay okay well well if there's nothing else i know we have to get to our real questions but there was something i wanted to uh i wanted to see if zach could guess it's, it's not really related to the Aristocats, but uh, I will set it up this way. Whenever I watch stuff that, uh, you know, really any movie that whether it's to record for this podcast or just on my own, I will put it on one of my hard drives. I'll plug my hard drive into my TV. Which we don't condone. And I will play, play it off of there. And Cinemodies is not, uh, does not condone the uh, pirating of uh, copyrighted <laughs> films. Hey, hey, I didn't say I pirated it. I could have very legally bought a digital copy of these films and put them on my hard drive. And, and I'll leave it up to the audience to guess if that's what I did. It's but, all right. We'll bleep out everything you've said for the last 30 <laughs> seconds. But on my hard drives, and I think many hard drives, unless you change the default settings, it will organize your movies and TV shows in alphabetical order. And I will, I will give the hint that my uh, TV or my hard drive, it includes the word the. So after fi- I finished watching The Aristocats, it started the next film on my hard drive, which also begins with The. Now, it's something that we've talked about on this podcast before, Zach, a long, long time ago. I want to know if you have any guesses as to what came on immediately after watching The Aristocats on my hard drive. Do you have any, any guesses? I'm going, to take a, I'm going to take a stab at it. Go for it. All right, let's see. Um, so it starts with the. That's the hint I'm giving you. So it went I, from the Aristocats to the blank. What, the cat in the hat? No, there's one before that that we talked about a long time ago. I was tempted. I was almost tempted to watch it when it came on. I should say that. <laughs> the Beatles submarine? No, nope, no. Nope. That wasn't on that hard drive, so it didn't come up next. Oh, okay. I should have seen this one coming. Triplets at Belleville. No, there's actually one God with 
The do you want to know, Zach? Can I tell you? No, no. Oh, you no. want to guess it? Okay. The Book of Henry. The Book of Henry. That started immediately after the Aristocats, and there was a moment where I sat here and I was like, "Should I watch this again?" <laughs> and the correct answer is no. And yes, I did not watch this again. I will say that I let it play just so I could see Henry buying and selling stocks on the payphone outside of his school, which is about you know two minutes into it. <laughs> but yeah, on my hard drive, that's what came up after the Aristocats, the Book of Henry. I thought that I don't know there was something that really I I was like laughing hysterically that that's my playlist of movies. <laughs> I have I have to ask. Yes. Did, does your appreciation of the triplets of Belleville possibly stem from liking this movie or being introduced to it? Because there's, there's, obviously it's very, oh. it's very similar animation style. Because I know for the record, when like Rob sent me, like, I sent Rob a 90 second long message Saturday or Sunday, I forget. And then he sends me back like a 15 times longer than that message. And, he, <laughs> and this is before I'd watched the Aristocats. And he's like, Zach, I love this movie. Oh yeah, I, I yeah, I told Zach I had a blast watching this again. Yes, and so like, and so like, I kind of went into that with this with that information in the back of my mind, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, maybe that has something to do with this because I can definitely see somebody uh-huh. like growing up with the Aristocats and, and Triplets of Belleville being the, me- the next logical evolution of appreciation of ty- this type of animation and this type of just I don't know like entertainment. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I've never thought about it that way, but there might be something there. You know, going from um, a, a film that's based in France, The Aristocats, that takes place in, in uh, Paris in 1910, and having that animation style, that that kind of simple story, uh, that the musical aspect to it, that when I grew up and encountered The Triplets of Belleville, which is from France, which is, you know, fully just story developed and and a lot of music. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that that might be the evolution of my uh, my love of these types of films. Triplets of Belleville's the peak of it. Interesting. Nice, Zach. How many more hours do you need to be a uh, a licensed therapist or psychoanalyst? Because <laughs> you're getting enough. you're getting a lot with me. <laughs> oh God! I could write a book on Rob. That's a four <laughs> cinemas. <laughs> no, that that's actually a really good point. I never thought about it that way. Um, but you know, now uh, I might go watch Triplets of Belleville instead of Hardware tonight. What? I mean, it's Triplets of Belleville. <laughs> Triplets of Belleville is more surreal, but I think there's more going on in that that goes on. In this, I agree. I agree. It's definitely a, a a development. If you look at those two films, kind of in order, there's definitely a, a huge development in the animation, in the plot, in the depth of the music, for sure. And I, I guess I, I will absolutely say that Triples of Belleville blows Aristocats out of the water. I love them both, but Triples of Belleville, that's one of my top tiers, as we've discussed. <laughs> Cinemodity and or late night movie. Let's do it. Um, I'm going to go Cinemodity? No. Even though I love this film, I think it's so disjointed for a Disney movie. I think that it is truly the nostalgia bug that bites me in the brain when I think about this film and that's why I love it so much. And really, uh, I'm kind of hard-pressed to say that movies that I have that nostalgia feeling for from my childhood are, are truly cinemodities. You know, it, there's more of my impact on it than the actual movie impacting cinemodity status. As far as late-night movie goes, 
absolutely. I I definitely want to play this for somebody late at night. And when we get to, you know, 15 to 20 minutes into the movie, if they are like Zach pulling their hair out going, why are we watching this? I will just start to jump on all fours and <laughs> right in front of them. And that'll just add to the late night movie experience. So I think it fits that bill perfectly. So, Zach, let me guess. No and no and no and no and no. <laughs> Imagine something very similar to the Batman v Superman. No, with a little asterisk that says no next to it. All the different asterisks on each letter that lead to different footnotes that also say no. No, yeah. <laughs> this, this is a firm no. I want that in the spreadsheet. A firm no as Cinemati and Late okay. Night Movie. Okay, right on. You, you wouldn't show this to your action figures? <laughs> I would not show this to anybody. Like I, I, I have no interest in ever revisiting this again. <laughs> Sorry, Emily. We, we, like Rob said, everybody gets one, and uh, you used it on the Aristocats. I kind of, in retrospect, I wish Rob. I, okay, I guess we should tell Emily that we let Rob choose out of the list you gave us which ones. And I'm like, I'd be fine with this as Spinal Tap. He's like, No, let's do the Aristocats. Yeah, I, yes. I, I can kind of, I can very firmly say I would prefer this as Spinal Tap to this. Have you seen that before? Never seen that before. Okay, okay. Well, I guess we'll divulge a little bit. I chose not to talk about this as Final Tap because I feel I have less, much less to say about that movie than the Aristocats. That was my motivation. That's the first time that sentence has ever been uttered in the history of man, folks. <laughs> yeah, That's <you>. a first. <laughs> Break a new ground. Scream it again, goat. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, so Zach is a hard no with a bunch of asterisks. Firm no. Firm no. Firm no. Okay, absolutely. Like a like a like a a high calorie no, not a low calorie no, a high calorie no. Think think of a very dense mattress. A firm no. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, then we have to get into snacks next, right? Oh yeah. So I got a I got a few. I got a few. I'm gonna, do, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna let my, I'm gonna go first because mine's simple. I figured oh. you can talk for the next 35 minutes. <laughs> okay, go for it. My snack is uh, during the film, Edgar makes creme de la creme. He puts like an entire like, bottle of sleeping pills in it. I Dr. think we could... Dr. Restwell's sleeping pills. <laughs> of course, he knows on the top of his head. <laughs> uh, I say we, you, we do the creme de la creme because I don't think we have a lot of desserts on the Cinemodies menu. Mm -hmm. But instead of putting sleeping pills into it we put up crushed up like bits of the aristocats dvd and it'll have the exact same effect it'll put you to sleep <laughs> with the added bonus of cutting up your intestines on the way out <laughs> that depends on what kind how many like how fine you want the blended bits of the dvd we can we can get to like almost like like sand but if you want thicker to cut up your intestines to make you feel something unlike this film <laughs> then you can have it Oh god, okay, that's good. That's funny. Um well that was that was the first thing on my list, the creme de la creme de la Edgar, but I was gonna say that we just legitimately put sleeping pills in it. <laughs> because you know, I mean, what better way to get people to stay at our restaurant so their children can continually swipe their credit card <laughs> so the Avengers can beat Thanos than having the parents fall asleep. Is that right? I have, a, I have a question at this point. Is that a spoiler? It's like, remember, it's been only a week since Infinity or Endgame. Is that a spoiler? Do we do we have to bleep that? Well, no. In our in our Infinity War episode or one of the episodes last month, didn't we both say it's not a spoiler that they're going to beat Thanos? Didn't we say no, that? But that's before the movie came out. We can say it now that it does happen. It's a week afterwards. Do we have to bleep that? I don't think so. 
All right, folks. When you hear this, you'll find out if we actually bleeped it or not. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, yes, creme de la creme de la Edgar to keep kids spending money longer. Uh, the next thing I want uh, would be since, of course, we had the geese being eaten in this film. Let's get some let's get some foie gras on our menu. Zach, have you ever had foie gras goose liver? I have not. Do you know how they make good foie gras? Have you ever heard the terrible things they do to geese to make foie gras? Seriously? No, I have not, and I don't want to know. Ignorance okay. is bliss. Well, then maybe Zach will bleep this out, because you better believe we're going to have a foie gras machine in the Cinemodities restaurant. This is what they do. They take a goose. There's a machine that grabs the goose by the throat. It shoves basically a catheter down the throat of the goose into its stomach and pumps it full of wheat, pumps it full of grain products. And it pumps it full of so much grain products that the goose, goose's liver cannot filter it out quick enough and it fattens up. The goose dies, they extract the liver, and that's where you get foie gras. It is incredibly terrible to the animal, but that's what they're doing over in France. That's what Uncle Waldo was trying to tell everybody that they were pumping geese full of wheat and grain products just to eat their livers. So what do you think? Fair addition to the restaurant? Foie gras? I, I, Emily, I'm sorry. First, I apologize for my thoughts on this movie, and never mind what <laughs> he's bringing into this. He, I'm not a monster. He is. I want everybody to know that. I, I, I like to imagine anybody who clicked on this was not expecting that as a topic in the Aristocats discussion episode. <laughs> I am sorry. If, if you paid money for this, I will gladly refund it in some See, way. See, Zach, I disagree. I think everybody who's seen this movie, they know there's, they know there's geese in it. They know they're screaming about being eaten. Foie gras. That's what it is. Do you feel good now that you brought that up into the podcast? Do you feel good now? I mean, I feel the same that I did before I brought it up. It's necessary. I, I, th I think he's lying, folks. He's lying to both you and me. So I will say that I also have never had foie gras, uh, but I've yeah, read yeah, yeah, all about how terrible yes, it is. He yeah, yeah, he knows all about it, though. Oh, of course. How can you not? If you know anything about how, you know, if if you know as many vegetarians as, and vegans as I do, they scream about this like it's a bad thing. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> What did I get myself involved with, folks? What did I get so, myself involved with? I have more, Zach. You better believe it. Uh, in the scene, as I mentioned earlier, where we have the stereotypical Siamese cat playing the uh, China cat, uh, there is a, a fortune cookie little bit. And if I remember correctly, the fortune cookies that are talked about in the scene or sung about in the scene, I should say, um, they, they aren't really what you'd expect from fortunes. I think it's only a line or two. Uh, we might have played the clip earlier. I'll play the clip again here. <laughs> But this gave me the thought of what about at the Cinemodities restaurant, at the end of every meal, we give out fortune cookies, just like, you know, uh, a Chinese food or an Asian uh, restaurant would do. But we make sure that all of the fortunes inside the cookies are factually inaccurate. Like they are just things that could never happen and make no sense. What do you think about that idea, Zach? 
maybe not just as for the Cinemati's restaurant, but to start to license to other restaurants as like a novelty or a gimmick that they get fortune cookies that, you know, have have nonsense in them more more so than usual fortune cookies. Whatever you think works, Rob. I mean, I mean, what could you imagine if you went out, Zach, for some Chinese food, you get a fortune cookie at the end of the meal, you open it up and it says something like World War Two took place from 1920 to 1925. And that's it. That's all it says on your fortune in your fortune cookie. There's a novelty there, I think. Factually inaccurate fortune cookies. Are you Rob, saying that you're not you're not going to come on Shark Tank with me to pitch this? No. I feel like I feel like even Cinemonides has more creativity than a fortune, uh, incorrect fortune cookie. Well, of course. I mean, you know, you can't compare our creativity in one episode to any other. Otherwise, it always pale in comparison, right? <laughs> sure, Rob. We are we are the sum of our parts. Absolutely. absolutely. The last the last one that I have to pitch, of course, is once again, as we said already, uh, we don't have a lot of beverages. Once again, Zach and I are not sure if we finally do have beverages or if we're just saying this at this point. But just like the uh, the cafe goer who sees the mouse chasing the cats, let's just let's just do the full bottles of wine. I know that's nothing new. That's what restaurants do. They'll get a bottle of wine for the table. But let's let's say on the menu it's a full bottle of wine with no shame. What do you think about that? <laughs> so that way, if someone comes in just by themselves, they know that we're not going to judge them. Or if we do judge them, it'll be in private. Oh, okay. <laughs> so so everybody no gets outward shame. Everybody gets a bottle of wine at the Cinemati's restaurant. Should that be like the pitcher of water at the uh, <laughs> at the table? Everybody just gets. It's like, can we have water? It's like, no, no that costs extra. You get wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can get on board with that. Okay, okay, right on, right on. Yeah, maybe we do have enough beverages now, but let's just keep throwing them on there. Is that it for snacks? Do you have any more? That- that was all I had for snacks, Zach. All right, Rob. So how are we going to end this episode? Well, I think this is a, a no-brainer. We have to take our everybody wants to be a cat and play it in reverse, right? Everybody, everybody. I don't think we have a, a lot of free jazz played in reverse. You know, we no. can see what that sounds like. Nope, I think that'll be good. Nice change of pace on Cinemati. Yeah. I, I and if I uh, if I am guessing correctly, free jazz backwards sounds the same as free jazz forwards. <laughs> it's certainly not the 18s. 